Hello and welcome to Dementia is Global. I'm Fanula Sweeney. According to the World Alzheimer Report in 2018, about 50 million people are living with dementia around the world. By 2050, that number is expected to triple to 152 million. The Global Brain Health Institute works to reduce the scale and impact of dementia and protect the world's ageing population from threats to brain health. Based at both University of California, San Francisco and Trinity College, Dublin, GBHI trains and connects the next generation of leaders in brain health through the Atlantic Fellows for Equity and Brain Health programme. Helen Rochford Brennan is from Ireland. In 2012, at the age of 62, she was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease. She's now a global ambassador for the rights of people with dementia. I asked Helen to describe what life was like before she noticed something was not quite right with her memory. Well, life was very exciting. Wherever I've lived, whether it's the United States, United Kingdom, or at home here in Ireland, I have always been a very active citizen. I've been a promoter of rights for my community wherever I've lived. And so I was always active doing something. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and I had a full-time job. So that always kept me really busy, and I've had just the most amazing life and have some wonderful memories that I can still look back on. When did you realize that you might be having some serious issues with your memory? I had an accident where I had a head injury, and that was back in 2003, 2004, I think. I had my treatment and I learned how to live with it. I learned to have different strategies, but the strategies that I had were not working. And so I went to see another doctor. In fact, I was referred from work. And the person that I saw said they felt I had some neurological deficit and perhaps it was Alzheimer's. How was this manifesting itself at the time? It was manifesting itself that I could go into work in the morning. And I would think, why didn't I do that yesterday? It was so simple. I should have delegated it. And why did I not delegate it? And it really perturbed me. I just was not on top of my work. I know I was extremely active in my private life as I was chair of state board. I was past president of the chamber. I was involved in many things, lots of physical and sensory disability where I worked, a lot of organizations promoting rights and trying to make life better for people. But I found that I just couldn't cope with my job. I just kept wondering what was wrong. And of course, I put it down to my head injury. And then I saw another doctor who was adamant that I had Alzheimer's. I talked to my urologist again, and he was not sure. So the injury wasn't ever worked on. What was happening was that I was forgetting who I should delegate work to. I was forgetting that it had to be dealt with. And at home, the same thing. My husband would tell me something and it was forgotten. My son would ring me up and tell me something. And as soon as the phone was left down, it seemed to be forgotten. Needless to say, they thought if mom or Helen is less busy out taking care of the region and is at home with us, then we won't have these problems. But of course it wasn't. I used all the strategies that I used at work myself for people with brain injury. 
but nothing was working for me. And that was creating another problem for me because then I became anxious as to why I couldn't do my work, why I couldn't stay on top of my life. I have always been a very organized person. I'm a businesswoman. I've had a fantastic career. So I was always busy, always had everything up to date in my diary. I would have thought myself a good team leader, but I just could not cope. And I couldn't cope then with the whole idea of not being able to remember. Do you remember the diagnosis when it was given to you? Oh, I remember the final diagnosis when it was given to me. I drove to Galway to see my doctor, which is about 64 miles from home. It said to me, we needed to do some tests, some more tests. So I did all the tests. And he said to me, you know, you have early onset Alzheimer's. For a moment, it didn't really register that much. And then it did. And for some unknown reason, and this may sound very strange, I just thought, thank God I actually know what is wrong with me because I think I'm losing my mind. And just before that, an opportunity came up for me to retire from work. I absolutely grabbed it and just said, I'm going to go. I told my husband it was most unusual for me not to discuss something like that with him because I was 62 and I had planned on working until I was 67 at least. I just realized there was something fundamentally wrong with me. And that was prior to my final diagnosis. I went out and I sat in the car and I cried for a while. And then I was driving home. All I could keep thinking about was all the plans for the future. We were going to attend all kinds of events. Sean and myself were going to travel and meet Martin and our son in various places. And I thought, that's all gone. We're talking now about somebody else. Then I thought about how, in an undisclosed amount of time, I may not remember all those wonderful memories that we've banked along the way. And I was absolutely grieving. It was just like death, just like a death. It sounded as though it was a very solo experience. Did you feel you were on your own? It didn't occur to me that I was on my own. Retrospectively, of course, I should have had Sean with me. But I didn't feel that need because I'm a super independent woman. And I was always used to doing things on my own and making my own choices. I never wanted anybody there with me to hold my hand and be there. And I didn't look at this as any different than being diagnosed with heart disease. When I was going to the doctor, it didn't occur to me, Helen, there's going to be a serious diagnosis. What did you think having early onset Alzheimer's was going to mean for you and your life? The first thing I thought of was absolutely my life was over. It would never be as it was. Today, I can say that actually that is very true, but not to the degree perhaps that I thought of that day. And I suppose I grieved for 10 months for a life that I would never have. And that was difficult. How did you grieve? Gosh, Sean says I sat in a chair for many months or I lied on the couch for many more, trying medicines that didn't work, coping with all those horrendous side effects. I Googled, of course. There was nobody for me to talk to. And back then, the doctor couldn't say, here, go to the Alzheimer's Society. It wasn't there, and there was nobody to go to. So what do you do? You go to Dr. Google. And then I was going to be dead in two years and all of that nonsense. That was hard because then some serious decisions had to be made, even though we had our middle will and we had our house in order at home. So it wasn't something that I had to really start getting into legally very quickly. For the first time in my life, there was nobody that I could talk to. My follow-up appointment was with Sean and myself. 
And the doctor said to Sean, maybe Helen needs to go to an Alzheimer's group. I realized what an Alzheimer's group was where I lived, but that was for very much older people than I was. It took me a while, but it was early December, and I picked up the courage to go to this group. And the group was exactly what I thought. It was a lot of very elderly people, and not for me. I came out, and I absolutely went to pieces. Because then I realized, this is it. This is final. This is where I am going to be. Perhaps these people are not as old as I think they are. It's just that they look old. I hadn't told anybody other than my immediate family and two friends of mine. I then decided that on the way home, I was going to meet a couple of guys that I've been involved in an infrastructure project with. And I went to see them. I said, I want to have a cup of coffee with you. I think they probably thought that I had just met the Minister for Transport and he didn't give me some good news about a train project we were working on. So I told them my story. Their reaction and their emotions it was just awesome. It was sad for them. You could feel that absolute sadness. And then I went to talk to a friend of mine in the Chamber of Commerce and I explained to him I hadn't been to meetings because I had dropped away from everything. I had no career. I had withdrawn from all of the activities that had been involved in, which was many. And then I go to this Alzheimer's group. Then I come home. I've told some people. And I am so alone. I am so alone. Even though I have tons of love and support for my eight siblings and my husband and many friends. I used to think then there's got to be help somewhere for somebody under 65. And where did you find it? When I went to visit the Alzheimer's group where the elderly people were, the nurse said to me that day, Helen, the only thing I can think of for you is research. And I came home and I was telling Martin and he said, Mom, that'd be great. Why don't you do that? And I said, Martin, I've never been involved in research in my life. I've done loads of different things. But he said, in a way, you have. Look at all the community work you do. That is research in itself. So I happened to be talking to one of Martin's friends, mum, who's a nurse. And I said to her, this is an offer for me to go on and get involved in research. Researching Alzheimer's. Researching Alzheimer's. Because under the age of 65, there are no appropriate services. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, she came to the door and handed me a piece of paper. Here, get in touch with this guy, Professor Ian Robinson at Trinity College. And he's looking for some people to work on some research. I said, no, I will, I won't. And Martin said, Mum, we are going to send this email now, whether you like it or not. Monday morning, nine o'clock, I had the response back. And that was such a life-changing event for me. What happened? Trinity College were working with the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland on some research into cognitive rehabilitative therapy which when they're diagnosed young in their 60s or in their 50s or 40s, and I would have considered myself a very young 60, is to get back doing what you did. Have simple things like a diary, whiteboards, sticky notes. I got involved in that research, and that research completely changed my life. It led me to the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland for a start. It allowed you also, did it not, to be open to accept your situation and to be proactive and do something yeah. about it. I think by then I was ferociously angry because I thought I've spent my whole life advocating for the rights of all kinds of people. There was nothing that I hadn't worked on with human rights. And I thought, here I am. I need to fight for my own rights. Something has got to be done. There was a group being newly formed, the Irish Dementia Working Group. I had never met anybody my age or younger with Alzheimer's. And I remember going to that group so well, I thought... 
gosh, they're just like me. We're just ordinary people. Somebody said, do you know what? If somebody walked through this door, they would never know we had Alzheimer's because we were all laughing and we had found that bond that we had the same illness, certainly for myself, because I was under 65. I was the youngest one then. And there was absolutely no service. And for many people in parts of the world who suspect they may have a form of dementia, and maybe have received a diagnosis, there may not be the supports that now exist in Ireland, thanks to work that you and others have done, advocacy work. What would you say to someone who is listening to this, maybe thinking that there is something not quite right with how their memory is working, maybe afraid because of stigma that they have an oncoming diagnosis of Alzheimer's? What advice would you give them? There's only one piece of advice. Go and see your doctor. Talk to your doctor about it. It's better to talk to your professional and take some tests. It may be a time in your life. It may be your age. There may be some other reasons. There may be some other illness that you have. So it's better to go and see a professional and wherever you are in the world. It's best if you get referred to a neurologist because it's important that we have the appropriate tests to make sure that if it is Alzheimer's, a pathway of care is there for us. What if that pathway of care isn't obvious, wasn't obvious to many people in Ireland, although there is a national dementia strategy now and things have very much improved, but there are other countries where there really are no services and some of it has to do with stigma. What do you say to that individual now living with dementia? I do believe that the word dementia doesn't help stigma. I think we would be much better off if I could say I have brain disease. Brain disease is much more appropriate. We have a form of brain disease, which is Alzheimer's. And I think that person has to look at it just like that. Like I have heart disease or I have diabetes. This is brain disease that I've got. And I think that way it will make it much easier for the person that has it and make it much easier for the families. In many countries around the world today, there are Alzheimer's groups. There may may not be an Alzheimer's group where the person lives, but perhaps their nurse or doctor where they live could help them to set up a small group of people with memory problems. Would you advise that people talk about it? Oh, absolutely. Even if there is a stigma? I think one of the greatest injustices we do to ourselves is to not speak about it. I speak about it because I think there is no greater gift that we can give ourselves and our families. And I can tell you that my husband and my son and my siblings are so delighted that I speak about this illness because it's important we speak and not to be afraid to speak about it. And you believe that it's contributed to your brain health? Absolutely. I absolutely believe it's contributed to my brain and health. And it has slowed the progress? Yes, it has slowed the progress, but it's something that we can live with. The person that's going to be newly diagnosed, don't be afraid. When I was first diagnosed, yes, I thought it was the end of the world. But now all these years later, I realize it is not. And the more that I stay busy as an advocate and try and reach out and help somebody else, it gives me a better quality of life. But it also really has a major impact on my brain because I am doing something. And if you don't tell somebody, who's going to tell you the simple steps that you can take at home, like writing everything down, like having a diary, like putting notes wherever you have to put notes and keeping a journal if you can. I write the most simple rubbish sometimes, like who came to visit, who telephoned me. But I am writing because it gives me the ability to still continue to write. 
May I ask, for example, how did you remember that we had this appointment to meet oh, this evening? Diary, calendar, telephone. By using all the different strategies that cognitive rehabilitative therapy gave me all those years ago, it has given me an enormous quality of life. It is very hard work because you have to write everything down. But if you want to have a quality of life and if you want to be independent and to try and live your life as well as you can, it's a simple task to write everything down. May I ask, how does the disease manifest itself with you? Because speaking to you, and we've spoken before, it would be very hard to discern that there is anything whatsoever amiss. Well, don't ask me about yesterday, because my memory short term is really poor. And do you notice that changing or is it holding steady? Uh, It's holding steady. I'm delighted. I just recently had my neuropsychological testing and there's been very little change. And this allows you, because you are doing so well, to continue your advocacy work. You just came back from Brussels today, for example. What is it you would like to see? We have to see change in how we talk about the illness and how it's referred to. That is the change that I want to see in the world. I really would love to see one day that Alzheimer's would be the same as any other brain disease. Do you see it changing in Europe, specifically Ireland? I see some changes in Ireland. I think that we have become a much more accepting nation of the illness because all of us speak out now about it. And the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland have some fine advocates. There are some other groups that are speaking out about the illness. Attitudes are changing. And we hope that the work that's been done by the Department of Health in promoting Understand Together on a TV ad is helping. The things that are not working, and it's the same in every country, is we have national dementia strategies. We have plans, but we do not have them implemented. And that is a real shame because there's a huge lack of resources when it comes to dementia. And of course, dementia is going to cause an enormous hole in government finances as the numbers of people living with the disease increase. Creating awareness is the way of tackling that financial deficit. Yeah, it's twofold, actually. It is creating awareness, but also early diagnosis. And that is absolutely the most fundamental thing. The earlier we diagnose, and I keep repeating this, the less impact we have on the finances of our state and the less impact we have on the taxpayer, because at the end of the day, that's who's going to pay for our care. So when we are diagnosed, it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be taken care of by doctors. That is not true, because... Many of us are very healthy. We need to stay doing the things we were doing. So if somebody is newly diagnosed, I want to say to them, no matter where you are in the world, whatever you were doing before you were diagnosed, please keep doing it to the best of your ability and get support to do it. Because then you will be able to stay in your own home as long as you possibly can. Yes, you're not going to be the active citizen that you were because you have a deficit, but get the support to help you to live well. And I know that word living well is bandied about, but we can live reasonably good with our illness. I think it's important if you can to try and get involved in research. We don't have a cure, but by being involved in research, we can really make a contribution. In my own case, I can help the fellows at the Global Brain Health Institute. You know, in every country, there are researchers that we can help find, even if it's only a better quality of life for people. There are many different types of research. We have technology, we have some medical research. No matter where you are in the world, 
there are always researchers reaching out for people like us. So get involved. Get involved. I think it's important we get those messages out there. We get something positive out there. We have limitations. As I said, my real limitation is short-term memory. And it's very debilitating, especially when your husband tells you he told you something yesterday or your son told you something the day before or you missed something on the grocery list that you really wanted to put on it. But you have to still carry on. As I said, it's hard work, but we have to help ourselves. Our countries can support us. I look at some great models around the world of how people are from India to Scotland, how people are changing and how they do things. And I think that's fabulous because we're no longer people that are demented and put into a home. We're now active citizens. We're still members of our community. We want our communities just to continue embracing us as they always did. We want to be loved and connected and we want to continue to connect with people no matter where they are in the world. Well, on that note, thank you very much indeed. Helen Rochford-Brennan. Thank you. That was Helen Rochford-Brennan, who's living with dementia and is a global ambassador for the rights of people with the disease. For more information, you can visit www.gbhi.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to Dementia is Global. <laughs>